0: of my hearts that God has directed my thoughts towards now if you'll be pliable today and if you'll follow along with me and even even into tonight's service um, I think that your understanding will be enlightened in the subject matter that we're going to talk about today and uh, and I simply entitled this today is your day to receive the baptism of or the gift of the Holy Spirit that certainly was in my thoughts today's your day why not today, right? And, and so I'm going to share with you, and I'm going to take, I won't be able to answer every question, but I want you to know this is a subject matter that I have searched out diligently, purposely from my own selfish motivation because I was not raised up historically in the Pentecostal church. And so when I was first brought into and confronted by Pentecostalism, which is a a vibrant anticipation of the work of the Holy Spirit in the corporate setting and also in the, in the individual life or the private life of the individual believer, um, especially as it related to tongues on a personal usage and also a public usage of speaking in other tongues. I, wanted, I, I made it my own personal journey to educate myself, to study and to learn, and, and then certainly to receive. But when I was later more active in ministry, I want to be able to help others. I want to be able to share with you doctrinally. I want you to be able to pull down strongholds that could be in your mind. Because, see, the enemy can use even good people. I'm going to borrow a passage of Scripture in the book of Acts. I believe it was the 14th chapter. It said that those of the circumcision, which those were the Jews or the Judaizers, poisoned the minds of those who believed. The, The newly founded church was poisoned. Their mind was poisoned by people that thought they were doing God a service. And many times that's one of the greatest hindrances to people receiving the experience that we know as the baptism in the Holy Spirit because someone else's doctrine has poisoned their mind and they cannot believe or they do not believe. And so the only way to confront uh, doctrinal error, in my personal opinion, is with doctrinal truth. And I can't cover it all in one subject matter today, But I believe that it was the voice of the Holy Spirit in my spirit that said that brought me to this passage today. That said or to this text or this subject matter. Because it changed my life at 17 years of age. And I believe it can change your Christian experience as well. So let's pray and let's be pliable today. Let's believe God in this house. Father we love you and we are grateful to be here. Humbled by being in this room. I pray Lord today that preaching would and teaching would be readily received by our our church family but even more than that father i pray that faith in the heart of each listener god today would grow and their understanding of this experience would grow and god that there would be a true hunger in our hearts to receive of the baptism in the holy spirit and if we have received that god that we will continually exercise this gift father for our personal edification And the edification of the corporate body. So, Father, I love you today. I ask for your anointing presently or publicly today. It's in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. And you can be seated. That is just water in this container, just so that you'll know here that I'm not a hypocrite. I did not bring coffee or tea that I have chased you out of the sanctuary with into this sanctuary. Let me take a moment of time to use this phrase real quickly. It's called a a distinct doctrine. The Assemblies of God is a part of what was known as the Pentecostal Church and certainly now the Pentecostal slash the Charismatic Movement worldwide, which has become easily the fastest growing arm of Christianity with numbers exceeding worldwide 500 million uh, believers or adherents that are a part of the 2.2 billion Christians around the world. And this movement is really the only part of Christianity that is growing to keep up with any type of population increase and that's because god promised he would pour his spirit out upon all flesh is that right and but i want to take a moment the assemblies of god often will say this in some of their hand in in some of their um little flyers it will say our distinctive doctrine now by doing so they're not claiming and i'm going to say we're not claiming that we that this doctrine is exclusive to the assemblies of god However, it is a doctrine, though, that historically has been the earmark of the fellowship. It's been the thing that you could easily identify a particular people group that worshiped under the title of the assemblies of God is because of the belief in the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the initial physical evidence of speaking other tongues. Now, let me tell you what's going on in, in the church world, even in the Pentecostal movement. And I know there, 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 are, there are sometimes abuses of the, the manifestation of what we call the verbal gifts of the Spirit. Speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. And we know that there are oftentimes there have been abuses or misuses. But just because something can be abused does not mean that it should not be used. Right, and oftentimes what we have done is we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater, when rather uh, correct teaching would have set things in the right parameter from the very beginning. And even when something gets out of the right, gets out of the parameter, it can easily be steered back in. All right? And so let me tell you where a little bit of conflict is being created in the, the Christian church and even puts pressure sometimes on a new generation of Pentecostal pastors, especially the younger pastors that are uh, you know, raising up churches in America today. And that is some of the success of what we call evangelical churches. Evangelical churches which, to a certain degree, mimic or look a lot or akin to what our fellowship looks like in our experience during worship. Many of these churches came out of traditional historical denominational churches, but they have begun to embrace open worship. You know, many years ago, you didn't typically find praise and worship in a Baptist church like this. Right, or or a Methodist church like this. But now you can go up the hill and you'll find a contemporary worship service at a Methodist church where their worship service is going to look a lot like ours. right? And so there's a lot of these things that are happening in the Western world, in the Western uh, culture of the church, and that's a positive thing. I'm never against churches embracing uh, worship and lifting up their hands and lifting up their eyes to God. I mean, that's a great thing. Right? That's a great thing because we used to say this in the church. When the praise goes up, the glory comes down. And so, but with this, what we're seeing also, though, is is some of the churches, though, that have a belief in, a belief in the gift of God or the belief in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes, even many of the leaders that are leading these fellowships have the experience themselves, but they feel like that if there is a uh, utterance in tongues in the public setting, that it can be more detrimental than it can do good. And I understand that there are times and there is confusion that is related to the, the, uh, the verbal gifts of the Spirit. But once again, let me say this. I believe that if we teach people correctly... And we become rooted and grounded in the knowledge of the parameters that Paul gave us in 1 Corinthians 14. And we apply it appropriately, then we can actually see the manifestations, not just the gifts. And what I'm talking about today is not the gifts of the Spirit, but I'm talking about the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which that's two different things, and time will not allow me to teach it and sever it for you here today. But I want to go ahead and give you a, 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 a public example of this for the purpose of showing you what's in my heartbeat as a pastor. Okay, let me let me contrast two churches that are vibrant healthy I'm gonna even use the word dynamic churches right here in this community and that is new life church on the bypass And first assembly right here at 1009 West Searcy Street Now I have nothing but positive things to say about new life church. So this is in Noah's criticism This is only to show you the contrast now, the founder of New Life Church, Rick Bazette, came out of a church in southern Louisiana called Bethany Church, which is full Pentecostal charismatic fellowship. But as he came to, uh, to Arkansas to begin to start the New Life Churches, he himself has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But his doctrinal belief was is that he also saw a lot of confusion with it in certain circles of the church that he grew up in or small Churches that he may have grown up in before he arrived at Bethany. And so, therefore, as he started New Life Church, they wanted to limit the verbal gifts of the Spirit in the main service and to put it rather in like small groups or limit it to small groups or believers' meetings. Now, New Life Church is not alone in this, there are lots of evangelical or Pentecostal churches that have emulated this uh, practice. And so, for a moment of time, so recently, now, that I can understand in one sense because the purpose was is that if you have unlearned or new people to church that have never been around speaking in other tongues, the Apostle Paul said, if it's misused, they'll think you're mad. 1 Corinthians 14, we're going to kind of line by line look at that in a little bit, if it's misused. And I understand that. But on the flip side of it, I've also come to uh, my realization that, but once you limit the, the initiation of spiritual gifts, which I believe that the initiation of spiritual gifts starts with the verbal response of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is evidenced by speaking in other tongues and prophesying. Once you begin to limit it in that area, then it begins to limit the gift of God in the other manifestations of God, including divine healing or word of knowledge or working of miracles. And so I was I was uh, meeting a couple of years ago uh, with uh, Pastor Dearman. We were just simply looking over their brand new facility. Pastor Dearman, James Dearman, is the pastor of the New Life uh, Church here in Heber Springs, and a wonderful man. And their church has done a great job. And I asked him personally because I was aware of Pastor Bazett's doctrinal belief. And I said, I said, now I said, Brother James, are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? His response was, Absolutely. He said, I speak in other tongues every day. So, I'm mean, thank God for that. Paul said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. Yes, did. Right? Didn't he say that? 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So, Brother James is unashamed. I mean, he didn't say, well, here, come here and let me tell you about this private." No, he was unashamed. And, and I, but I asked him about the limited teaching on it in the public setting on a Sunday morning. And, not, and, and I said, my question is, and I'm asking this sincerely. I'm not asking this with criticism because I'm facing some of the similar dilemma myself. I said, but I want to know, but how do you pass the baton? If, If we don't take the time to teach people about it, if we don't put you in an environment where you can receive, then we're one generation away from losing the experience that created our identity in the first place. And he was very honest and said, we're struggling with this. And Jojo was there. And I think you were there, Jojo. One of the other, it might have been Shane, was with me when we were up there. And, and he said simply, he said, we're struggling. So we're trying to have, uh, you know, kind of like special weekend retreats or things of that nature. where You know, and so, so that they're, they're doing what they can do. That's, their, that's what they have agreed upon to do. That's what's in harmony with their leader. That's what's in harmony with their doctrine. And may God bless New Life Church. But I want you to know the contrast to that is, is that we at First Assembly and me as a pastor, I believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I know that it can be confusing to some of you, but rather than us, because it might confuse you, we're not going to hide it in the corner. But what I want to do is I want you to know today is that I speak in other tongues in my private devotion, as do many people do here in this sanctuary, and it's brought personal edification to our lives. It's brought a change to us that set our Christian world upside down, and the dilemma that I'm facing is, is that historically, the assemblies of God ministered the, ba- the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit on Sunday nights, That's when people gathered, and that's when they prayed, and people, because sometimes the time frame was a little bit, you know, people gave longer time at the altar for prayer. Is that right? And, And so, but what's happening is, because people have lost as a whole the value of attending church on Sunday night, we too are at risk of missing the baton. And so, as a pastor, I'm just going to have to simply, yeah, I, would have, I could have easily have brought today's message to tonight's service. But the people that need to hear it wouldn't be there, right? The people that are already baptized in the Spirit would be there as a whole. And I'm not coming to criticize anybody that's not received. I'm coming to encourage you to continue to believe. Right? To believe for this thing. Open your eyes to the truth of the Word of God. See it spiritually. See it biblically. And in doing so, as you believe, I believe that you will receive. Here's the reality is you have to desire to receive this. Now, there's a distinction between regeneration, which is your conversion experience, when you're born again into the kingdom of God and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And many of you may not be familiar with church vernacular or church vocabulary as it relates to those two experiences. But just in a nutshell, just in quick theology, let me give you what I believe. And what I believe is consistent with the majority under the sound of my voice. And that's consistent with the doctrine of the assemblies of God. And that is, we believe that when you profess Christ as your Savior... When you trust in the blood that was spilled on the cross of Calvary as the atoning sacrifice for your sins that you are immediately saved? And there is an immediate witness of the Holy Spirit who comes into your heart. Romans chapter number 8 says His Spirit joins with our spirit and declares us to be children of God we believe that experience to be regeneration you are regenerate in Christ you are regenerate your spirit now has the life of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you but we believe that regeneration is distinct from baptism just like regeneration is distinct from baptism in water we believe that regeneration is distinct from being baptized in the Holy Spirit We believe that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is subsequent to your salvation experience. And there are various terms that the Bible in the book of Acts used to describe this experience. It begins with the term, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter number 1, verse number 8, Jesus said, You shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. There's the Holy Spirit coming upon. Then, if you'll follow some of the uh, additional experiences in the book of Acts, then there's the terminology did you receive the Holy Spirit? And so, the Holy Spirit coming upon is from God's perspective. God has poured out. You know, we sing that song, Pour It Out, Pour It Out. Sung, we've sung that before. You think, well, well, does God, yes, God promised that He would pour out His Spirit. But even in the scriptures, we find where they were praying, God, pour out your spirit. So, we're praying for God to, from his perspective, release the power of the Holy Spirit amongst the church. But from our perspective, heavenward, we're praying that people will receive. Does that make sense? That we will receive. Now, let me tell you, I believe in my heart of hearts that it is the will of God for every born-again child of God. Regardless of male or female, regardless of whether or not you're rich or poor, regardless of whether or not you are, have been raised uh, historically a Methodist or a Baptist, if you're genuinely born again, it is my personal belief that you would be filled with the Holy Spirit, that that's God's will for your life. Amen. That God's Holy Spirit, the Apostle Peter said this, the promise is to you, to your children, and as many as the Lord our God should call. Right? And I believe in my heart of hearts that if you truly begin to set your heart to seek after God, then you will receive. Right? I believe that if you ask, remember what the scripture says, you receive not because you ask not. Ask that you might receive that your joy may be full. Luke chapter 11 says this. It says, how much more shall your father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? And in that contest, we ask him on the baptism of the Holy Spirit first and then the continual refilling of the Holy Spirit as we walk out our Christian life on a day-to-day basis, right? And so, because we don't just believe in a one-time filling, we believe in remaining full of the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 5 and 18, the command is to be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's what it says, Ephesians 5. Do not be drunk with wine wherein is, is excess. My mind is not yet trained in New King James English yet. I'm still King James English in my theological uh, memorization. Do not be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. In essence, God, through the Apostle Paul's pen, is telling you that in your Christian walk, you can remain full of the Holy Ghost. You can remain full of the Holy Spirit. You say, Pastor, why do you use the term ghost or spirit? Well, in the old King James, the word pneuma in the Greek is translated both ghost and spirit, but it means the same and the author there or the translators used it interchangeably and as we have read we have gotten adapted an habitual practice of using ghost and spirit interchangeably i know that's a little mystic to some in our generation because we don't use the term ghost but to describe anything but casper <laughs> however when i'm referencing and i say holy ghost it's the same as holy spirit or spirit of god right or promise of the father or the gift of God, right? The power of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And so I want to encourage you about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the promise that should motivate you. See, if we're going to believe God for something, if we're going to believe God for an experience, we need um, something that will motivate us, something to motivate us in God. We need something. Why? Why, pastor, do I need this experience? Some are going to look at me a little bit funny. Some are going to look at me a little bit odd. When I speak in a language that I've never known, some are going to say it's just gibberish. Some are going to say, like Paul, are you out of your mind? And you say, well, so what's my motivation? It's what Jesus said. You shall receive power. The word power in Greek there is dunamis. There are two words translated power in the King James Version of the Bible. One is exousia, and it means authority. And it's distinct from dunamis, which means power or dynamite power. It's where we get the English equivalent dynamite. So God through Christ is saying, you shall receive miracle power. Come on now. Something that begins to change your life. Something that begins to lift your countenance. Something that begins to empower you to do and to be the person that God's called you to be. To do what he's called you to do. To be the example that he's called you to be, to empower you to witness on his behalf, to be emboldened to preach and to teach or to just simply share from your own experience, to empower you to lay hands on the sick and to see them recover, to empower you to cast out devils. You say, Pastor, do I? Well, I'll tell you, it helps. I believe you can cast out a devil without being baptized in the Holy Spirit by belief in the name of Jesus. But I'm telling you, it sure makes a difference when you've got the power of the Holy Spirit upon you because Jesus said, I cast out devils by the finger or the Spirit of God. Now, we all wrestle with principalities and powers. And when the enemy sees you, he needs to see a a distinction. He needs to know that there's an anointing that's present because he's subjected to the anointing of God. And if you don't have the anointing of God upon your life, then he doesn't feel subjected to you, and then he's always going to be trying to get a stronghold in your life or to subdue you. But when you begin to rise up, Come on, I believe in just kind of rising up and shaking things off. I remember when I was a kid, I shouldn't use this analogy, but I remember when I watched WWF wrestling. You can't watch it now because it's pornographic. But I was a kid, about 17 years of age, they first trans- uh, transitioned from Mid-South Wrestling when we had the Junkyard Dog and Ted DiBiase to all of a sudden WWF and we had Hulk Hogan. And Hulk Hogan, they would sometimes he'd be losing a match and somebody would have him in the sleeper hole and they'd have arms around him and choking him out and they'd be putting one and one, two and about that time a finger would start moving over here like this and then about that time a finger right here would start moving and then the arm would start shaking and then the neck would start shaking and all of a sudden what he was demonstrating is that there was a power inside of him that was going to break the oppression that was around him. Come on somebody and that's an analogy of the power of the Spirit of God in your life when the enemy comes against you when you feel oppressed, depressed, downcast and the enemy is assaulting you verbally and through trial and temptation there is an anointing that's in God there's the power of the Holy Spirit who's inside of you come on and by the power of the unction of God that you learn to yield to then not maybe like Hulk Hogan but maybe like Samson you can break off the yoke Come on, and you can be the man or the woman that God's called you to be. I'm telling you, that's why I believe in no down days. That's why I don't believe in a, chi- in a child of God coming to the house of God downcast and disheartened. Let me tell you, the joy of the Lord, come on, is your strength. The joy of the Lord flows from the power of the Spirit of God that's on the inside of you. And greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Victory is ours if we're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got the life of God on the inside of you, so that ought to motivate you. Come on and say, I don't want to be like so many other believers, and I'm not trying to criticize them, that their disposition is always downcast, always down, always depressed, always defeated. Shame on them because Jesus is victor, and he's given us of the Spirit of God. They just need to be brought into an awareness. Wow. Come on, I mean, I don't have to live this way? No, you don't have to live this way. You can live victorious through Christ. You can live with the power of the Spirit of God in your life. You say, now, Pastor Brown, what purposes are gained by praying in the Spirit or speaking in other tongues? Now, it is our belief, it is our belief that when the Spirit of God is given through the baptism in the Holy Spirit... The distinct doctrine that I'm talking about is that it will be initially evidenced by speaking in other tongues. And you say, Pastor, that's a little odd to me. You know what's It's a little odd to all of us, I'm going to be honest. It stretched us and it pulled us into a, a new dimension. It did. Because since we were just two and three years old, we were developing a language set. That we were imitating those that were around us and until we learned the English language or until you learned another language of your nationality. And suddenly the church has confronted you with a doctrine that says when the Spirit of God comes upon you and then you receive Him in your heart, it will be evidenced by an outflow of the Spirit out of your mouth that you speak in languages or utterances that you have not learned and it is unintelligible to your own understanding. And it's very awkward to you, especially initially. But as you grow, as you grow in your faith and you grow in your understanding and then you begin to exercise it on a daily, day, on a daily basis, come on, you begin to see the virtue of it you begin to see the value of it. And I'm going to show you just rather quickly. Time will not afford me to go into great doctrinal depth about this subject matter today. But I'm going to take you into 1 Corinthians 14 for just a few moments before I conclude with a time of prayer at the altar. Are y'all still with me today? Right now, I'm just being honest. This is the doctrine I believe in. This is the doctrine that changed my life. Come on, I've been called to preach since I was a little man, but I responded to the call to preach when I was 16 years old and then but when as I was 16 years old I was going to the Wilburn General Baptist Church and 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 I preached my very first sermon there and I was being developed in ministry but at 17 years of age I start, or at 16 I started working at town and country a supermarket when I, at 17 uh, I met a man by the name of Ray Cawthorne a former member of this church and, and brother Ray and I began to study the word of God together and he invited me to the Christian Center the prevailing word Christian Center right here in Hebrew Springs and and so I was exposed to the very first time to people speaking in other tongues I was exposed to the very first time of people raising their hands in worship because they didn't do that at the at where I attended church but those same people would come to the ball game and they would go, act a fool when I made a basket right and then they had come to church and they said quietly and so I saw a distinction here and I said wait a minute and, and as I began to be exposed to it I found myself gravitating to this what we call the charismatic or the Pentecostal movement and then I began to be hungry for the experience myself. And I remember the first time I, I, I wanted, a man was talking to me and he said, he said well, Lee, would you like to receive? Come over to my house. This was a couple weeks before I graduated high school, which meant it was a couple weeks before I got married. Which meant that it was four months before I turned 18 years of age. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to speak in tongues of to the microphone. And so, with that said... I went over to his house and, and he prayed with me and he laid hands on me and, 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 and he took me through a little teaching and I repented of all my known sin. And that's a good thing and I'm not against that because you do want a clean heart before God, right? And I repented and, and I prayed and I spoke in tongues that night. But let me say this, I don't know if I spoke in tongues because God gave me the utterance or I copied those around me because of the awkwardness of the moment. I'm just being honest with you. Because I, I, there was no empowering moment. There was no, nothing that empowered me, you know, in the spirit of God. At that particular moment, but a little bit later in the summer, i don 't know why I felt like testifying about this today, but I felt like I should, so i 'm going to. I got the microphone, and you got the listening ear so a little bit later in the summer, it was my, my, my vacation I'd taken my vacation days, and I was working at my mom and dad 's house in and Wilburn and Sherry and I were going to be moving back to Conway for Sherry to start her senior year in college at UCA, and I was going to join the Air Force uh, in january and so during that time period that week off, I was working no. One was at home I'd been outside doing something it was very hot I came in for lunch and brother Ray had given me a VHS tape now some of the younger people don't know what that is before there was blu-ray and before there was DVD there was this thing before there was this thing called VHS there was beta this thing called VHS was a was a message by a man by the name of Morris Sorello some of you still see Morris Sorello's way in his 80s he's still on Christian television today and so as I was cooling off from the summer heat and I was watching the, the the message preach or watching him preach, I'll never forget it. As he was preaching, he was in the middle of his preaching and he just said this. Remember, this is a pre-recorded video cassette because the Spirit of God is not bound to time or dimension. Come on. And the Spirit of God immediately out of him, Mozzarella looked in that television screen just like this, pointed his finger, and he said, Right now, there are young ministers that are watching this message and he said you need to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit he said get down on your knees right now and receive and right there in my mother and father's living room I knelt just like this I lifted my hands and out of my belly began to flow a river of living water and I spoke with other tongues this time as the Spirit of God gave me the utterance and my life changed from that day forward I had an anointing in my life I had conviction I had an unction when I preached I preached differently but Before I saw myself preach one way, but I got in the pulpit and I froze up. But after that experience, I got up behind the pulpit, and the power of the Holy Spirit gave me a strength to do what I previously could not do. Come on, somebody, glory to God. And if God would baptize a 17-year-old uneducated Wilbur and I in his mom and dad's home and fill him with the Holy Ghost and call him to preach and be the pastor of the greatest church in Cleveland County, come on, somebody, then God can do the same thing in your life. God can and he will. But I was hungry and I longed for it. And I didn't let my first experience, I didn't let my first experience, Sister Mama Glow, stop me because I didn't find the conviction. I didn't find it, and I knew there had to be more. I had, and when I found it, come on, I found it. And I found that if I'll just let the river flow, come on, let it flow. He'll flow out of you. He will. And so 1 Corinthians 14, this particular passage, and I've studied this out many times, but just for the sake of a few minutes here before we, before we come to the, uh, to the altar and just pray for a few minutes today, and we're just going to pray for as long as you want to pray doesn't matter to me, but I'm trying to just teach you. Because you, if you're taught that maybe there's an expectation that's created in your heart till you long for an experience that can change your Christian life, right? And, and I can, we can show you, and I'll cut my sermon way in two, and, 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 I'll, and maybe I'll keep the subject matter going next week. I don't know. I only just want what he wants. But out of my giant reference Bible... My giant print reference Bible that you can see the font from your seat. (laughs) 1 Corinthians chapter number 14, the Apostle Paul is addressing issues of of confusion related to spiritual gifts in the Corinthian church. Now, you you have to know the distinction between the gift of tongues and the initial evidence. Many people find confusion over the text because they do not separate the difference between the initial evidence of speaking in other tongues and the gift of tongues not every person receives the gift of tongues in the sense that it can be used for a public gift that must be accompanied by interpretation in order for the church to be edified but every believer it is my opinion every believer that receives a true baptism in the Holy Spirit will see it evidenced by speaking in other tongues and even prophetical utterances So, as Paul here begins to address these things, just in his writing that he's, again, addressing the confusion that's related with tongues, there are still things that we can glean from just very quickly in relation to tongues. And I'm going to begin in the second verse. I won't take much time because I've already used a lot of my time here today, and I'm aggravated at that. But it says in the second verse, he who speaks in an unknown tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. So and when someone speaks in other tongues, they're not speaking to me. You say, Well now, Pastor Brown, oftentimes I'll see someone that in the interpretation, the interpretation is to me. Yes, oftentimes that's the interpretation, it's not the translation. In, in, in essence, again, as someone has spoken to God in the spirit, the interpretation then is so that it can be applicable to the congregation for the good of the edification of the body. In the particular passage, the Apostle Paul says that in the public usage of tongues, that tongues must be accompanied by interpretation to edify the body. And then it becomes equivalent to the gift of Prophecy. But in our pursuit of this, there are still, uh, there's still additional uh, teachings related to the private usages of tongues, such as when you are in the Spirit and you are praying to God, you are speaking mysteries. Did you hear that? You are speaking mysteries. You, what, what does that mean, you are speaking mysteries? Now, you're saying, I don't understand what it means when I speak mysteries. Because you don't understand. The speaker does not understand what he's saying. According to, look at this, keep your Bibles open. 1 Corinthians 14 and 14 says, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Now, some people stumble over this because they say, Well, then if it's unintelligible, then what value can it have? Well, 1 Corinthians 14 and 2 just told you what value it can have. It says, You speak mysteries. Or did you hear what I said? You're declaring the mysteries of God. You said, now, Pastor, what virtue does that have? Well, now let's just think about that just a moment of time. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith and your spirit is not bound to the English language. Because God is the author of over 7,000 languages, known languages that are in the world. That if you read closer in verse number 10, it says none of them is without significance or meaning. So every language that God authored from the day of the Tower of Babel when all the languages are confused, God does not need an interpreter. So when somebody from Java speaks Javanese, God doesn't have to have an angel come up there and interpret that from him. Just like when you speak and you pray to God in English, God understands that, right? And so, but when you're praying in the spirit, the spirit of God is joined with your spirit and praying through you the will of God. And he's not just bound to the one language that you know, which is English, but he can search. Come on, like when you do a Google search, and that Google engine comes back and says 13 million responses, and you got it in two seconds, right? The Spirit of God can search through 7,000 languages to convey the heart of God about the matter that you then suddenly begin to pray about, and you're declaring it openly to the Father who immediately understands the cry of your spirit. If I shut it down right now and stop, that's enough right there to make you want to be one who receives the baptism and prays in the Spirit. And as a matter of fact, I may have to for the sake of time to begin to just kind of, which that just cuts everything totally in half, and that's fine. But I just want you to know, church family, if you study this out in 1 Corinthians and as you can separate from the gift of tongues and the initial physical evidence, it is our belief that when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it will be evidenced by speaking in other tongues. And then from that day forward, let me just close it because it's too close to noon because I want to have time for prayer. From that day forward, you can exercise that gift. Because the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Paul said this. Same passage, 1 Corinthians 14. I believe it's the 14th verse. He said, I will pray in the spirit. May not be the 14th verse, but it's in that same context. Listen to what he said. I will pray in the spirit, and I will pray in my understanding. Did y'all hear that? I will. Is your will involved? Yes, it is. Did y'all hear that? Look at it. It's right there. It's verse 15. I will pray in the spirit, and I will sing with the spirit. And so, let me just say this, you have to separate it from emotionalism. You know, because when the music's just right, and you get a heightened sense of praise and adoration to God, then oftentimes people find a liberty to begin to worship God and speak in uh, their heavenly language, what we call the prayer language. But let me tell you, you don't have to have anybody on the keyboard. Now, we're going to this morning, but you don't have to have anybody on the keyboard. You don't have to be moved into a heightened sense of emotion because you will pray in the Spirit because the Spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. The Spirit of God joined with your spirit and now it's subject to you. And so when you desire to pray, you can sing in the Spirit and you can sing in your understanding. I tell people like this, I'm, just trying, I'm not going to try to give you my experience here today, but when I go and stand in front of a sink, I have hot water and cold water, cold water and hot water, cold water on the right, hot water on the left. At that moment, I can make a distinction between which one I want to turn on and which one I can leave off. Come on, and when I get ready to pray, come on now, I make a distinction. I will sing in the Spirit, and I can just give God glory and sing in my tongue and praise God and worship Him in, in tongues, and I don't need to interpret it. My, un, my, spirit is, my, my mind is unfruitful, but it's, I'm still singing the mysteries of God. Come on, you know what Jude verse number 20 says? I'm closing with this right here. Jude verse number 20 says you build up your most holy faith when you do so. It does. It says you build up your most holy faith. It says in 1 Corinthians 14, I believe verse number 5, it says, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself. It means you're ed... What does that mean? It means you're building up yourself. You say, Pastor, what is it? That means I'm building up my spiritual strength to be the person that God's called me to be. Come on, worship team, y'all come back and join me. Whoever's coming back today, I think. I don't know who it was that they got arrangements of real quickly. But I, I want you to know today in the name of Jesus that our doctrine may contrast the doctrines of other churches. I don't say that to criticize. I only say that to affirm the position. We have sold ourselves out to this belief system. Let me say it without any type of arrogance in my heart. We have sold ourselves out. You know what? I pray for my children almost on a daily basis. God, let my children be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, let Ashley and Amber and Anthony and Austin and Aaron and Alyssa. and Did I miss any? I've been known to. God, let them be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let them speak with other tongues. Because I remember how my life was changed as a young man. And the grace of God that became so evident and so, 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 uh, so real to me as a result of it. I learned to never compare my experience to someone else's. I'm not saying that if you receive this baptism or this work of the Holy Spirit in your life, you will suddenly be more spiritual than someone who has it. I'm not saying that at all because that's not the way God does things. I'm saying your experience will be deepened. That's the only comparison that will be made is that you were here, but now you're here. Right? You used to pray like this. Now you pray like this. Come on. Right? I used to minister with uh, a timid spirit and a quiet spirit, but all of a sudden after that experience, the way I saw myself in the theater, my mind preaching, I now could do. You say, well, is that really that big a deal? Let me tell you, the number one fear that people have is public speaking. One of the number one fears that people have is public speaking. So you think about the number of people that have in the ministry that have had their lives changed and they suddenly became emboldened to preach or teach and do something that they could not do. I'm without fear in front of you today. I have no nervousness whatsoever to be able to convey to you a doctrine that I believe in, in the scriptures, and that I've experienced in my own life. Where does that come from? Is it from just experience alone? No, it came when the Holy Spirit came into my life. I was able to witness I was able to share I was able to teach and I was able to preach and I believe that this experience will alter every area of your life it'll give you the ability to pray when you don't know what to pray for and you don't even know how to pray and your mind is confused come on and you say oh my god I don't even know how to Come out of your belly your mind is racing and you're thinking about this and you just say i'm not going where my mind is going because my mind's wanting to do this and my mind's wanting to do that my mind's wanting to think about that but my spirit wants to pray the perfect will of god through my life and so i begin to pray and i'll tell you what that's where breakthroughs begin to come that's where lives begin to change why because you're declaring the mysteries of god You're declaring the wonderful mysteries of God. I'm telling you, that's the the declaration. Let me say this in closing. I know I've said that twice or three times now. But the declaration of the wonderful mysteries of God is a part of the exertion of God's authority. Let me say that. When you declare the wonderful works of God, that's an exertion of God's authority in your life. See, because the enemy might be saying one thing about you, The enemy might be saying, you're a cheater, you're a liar, you did this. But as you pray in the Spirit, you are speaking against what he's saying. You're declaring the mysteries of God. You may be saying, I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things are past. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? The Spirit of God on the inside of you is then exerting the authority of God over the accusations of the enemy. And that's how you can go to uh, prayer kind of downcast and come out of prayer, come alive. My God, I feel. Come on, bring it on, devil, right now. Come on, bring it on. I'm ready because I know what my God's done in my life. So it's not a sense of arrogance in any capacity. It's a confidence. It's a confidence in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that when you study the Scriptures, and I'll try to show you next week more carefully, that when you study, you say, Pastor, how does one receive? Well, I was at home alone that day. You you can receive anywhere, but the most common pattern, the most biblical common pattern is for somebody to lay hands on you. And you receive. That's the biblical pattern. You read the scriptures, time doesn't allow me to. So today, if you're here today, and you just say, Pastor, I just I just want to pray. And I want to ask God for this gift of God. My heart is ready. I'm seeking the Lord. Is there anybody that'll pray for me? Yeah, there's people that'll pray with you. There's people that'll pray with you today, including myself and Joe. Maybe Dr. Brassville will join us. Others will join us that I've spoken to, encourage them. And we'll lay hands on you today. And we'll treat you very gracefully and graciously and kindly. And we won't try to bang you on the head and we won't try to blow on you. We won't try to knock you down and knock you over, right? We want you to be just receiving what God has for you. That's all we want to do. We may pray in tongues around you, but we, as we do so, let me say this: we're not trying to teach you. We're not saying emulate well, emulate what I do. We're not trying to. We're not trying to do that. But we are trying to create an atmosphere of faith. And let me say this before we pray for you: one thing, when we pray with you and lay hands on you, you can't speak in tongues and speak in English at the same time. You know, when I go to my faucet, I can turn a little bit of hot on and a little bit of cold on, and it comes out as warm. But with the power of the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues, I either pray in the Spirit or I pray in my understanding. So in this moment, to receive of the power of the Holy Spirit, then you don't necessarily need to stand here and say, Jesus, 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 or glory, 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 glory. We're not trying to get you to talk real fast to all of a sudden you catch a word or you hear something that we say and you start repeating it. That is not our intention, right? Our intention is to just simply put you in an environment where that when you ask, you have the confidence that you've received and then like Paul, I will pray in the spirit. Out of my own belly shall flow a river of living water. I'll begin to sing in the Spirit, I'll pray in the Spirit, and I'll give God glory. I'll begin to prophesy and declare the wonderful works of God. Out of my mouth, uh, out of my mouth shall flow the mysteries of God. Father, I will edify myself as I pray in the Spirit of God, and I will give you glory. You'll begin to sing and worship and pray, and it might be even, and it it will be in tongues. It will be accompanied by tongues. So I want to ask you to stand up, church family. And this is a courageous moment, a courageous. Every fear, every anxiety that you've ever had about the baptism in the Holy Spirit is screaming louder than my sermon. Every fear that you've ever had, if you've not received, every ideology that stands against this doctrine is screaming louder in your mind right now and is saying don't go to the front you know that's not true you know that's not real you know you don't need that that pastor's confused he made this up he's a part of a doctrine of people that are confused they're sincere but they're confused that's the enemy trying to rob you of an experience that can change your Christian life so that's why it's going to take courage I'm telling you, the, the most difficult thing you may do all day is to take one step forward. That may be the most difficult thing that you do. Because every force of doctrine that the devil has ever sown in your mind is trying to pull you back and rob you of this moment. But I'm telling you, church family, we're going to lay hands on you. We're going to pray with you. And we're going to trust that God's going to fill you with His Holy Spirit. I'm not even going to ask you to bow your heads or close your eyes. I'm just going to simply say, Pastor, respond to this right here. If you say, Pastor Brown, it's going to take courage, and I know. But, Pastor Brown, y'all just pray with me today. Just lay hands on me. I believe that's the biblical problem. I believe that's the biblical pattern. Then you come forward today, and we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you, and we're going to pray with you here today. John's coming. Anybody else? Come on. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Be zealous. Be zealous after God. Be zealous after God. Come on. This is exciting, church family. I'm telling you, we're trusting God. We're trusting God. We're going to lay hands on y'all. We're going to lay hands. You know, I I prayed earnestly this morning. I prayed earnestly last night. I prayed, Father, whoever we lay our hands on, let them receive of the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on. We believe that's the biblical pattern. Now, what I want to ask you to do as you come forward today I want to ask you today as you, as you come forward and pray, you know, I think it's, it is the right thing to do to just search your heart, be clean in your heart before God. Just ask the Lord to cleanse you and make you whole, make you right, make you new. I'm not saying be born again. I'm sure you're already born again or you wouldn't be up here. But you know, if there's anything in your life that's hindered you, there's nothing wrong with just saying, God, wash me and cleanse me today. I want my heart to be pure. I want my heart to be pure. And I'm going to ask that our church family, those of you that feel especially led, especially uh, emboldened, especially uh, comfortable in praying with people to receive of the baptism, then I'm going to ask you to come forward. Joe's coming. I'm going to hope Dr. Brathfield will come and join with us and others that are, listen, don't feel limited. Just be a part of our fellowship. Make sure you're a part of our fellowship and and that you're confident in, in ministering to people and praying with people. And, and I'm not going to walk you through it. If you come forward, I'm going to suppose you've done this many times. And we're just going to lay hands on people. We're just gonna, and we're just going to simply ask uh, that God would fill them, that the Spirit of God would come upon them. And we're going to ask you to just worship. Now, church, let me say this to you this day. You know it's going to take us time to pray with people. So if you're going to be dismissed, then be dismissed in love. Be dismissed gracefully. Don't talk about the weather. Don't talk about the ball game here in the sanctuary. Slip on out into the foyer. If you want to stay and pray, create faith. Come on, create faith. Worship God.